But I think it's important for us to remember in the midst of all these judgments that Jesus is risen and that Jesus is ruling and that Jesus is returning and He shall reign forever and ever. As we heard those words just a minute ago, and that's the title of our message today, and He shall reign forever. Welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. It is our hope that this message will encourage you, strengthen your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. We made it through chapter 10 so far, and we're studying that period known as the Great Tribulation, or the Tribulation period, that seven-year period after the church is raptured out. We believe that the church will be raptured out before all these things take place and all the wrath of God is poured out because we're not appointed under wrath, the Bible says. You know, in Matthew 24, Jesus' disciples came to Him and, and asked Him what will be the signs of these things taking place. And this is what Jesus gave them some details of where He talked about, and this kind of indicates here how things will be during the rapture. Listen to Matthew 24. Jesus is speaking, he says, But about that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. And listen to what he says. Now this is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 40 there of Matthew 24. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. Verse 44, so you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. It could happen any time. It could happen today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. I think the key to it is we need to be ready. We need to be ready when Jesus steps out on the clouds to call His bride to church home and says, come up here, as He told John in Revelation 4 and verse 1, come up here. You and I need to be ready. So that when He says, come up here, He gives that invitation for us to come up here that we'll meet Him in the air. So we're in the middle of Revelation this morning in chapter 11 and we've seen some judgments of God being poured out on the earth as we've looked in the previous weeks on the earth and on unrepentant man as Jesus opened those seven seals and we began to see those seven trumpet judgments start, those trumpets to start to be sounding as alarms and we've gotten through six of those and we'll see the seventh today. But I think it's important for us to remember in the midst of all these judgments that Jesus is risen and that Jesus is ruling and that Jesus is returning and He shall reign forever and ever. As we heard those words just a minute ago, and that's the title of our message today, And He shall reign forever as King of kings and Lord of lords. He'll establish that glorious kingdom, that new kingdom, and He'll make all things new. 
So there's a few things here I think we need to see this morning in chapter 11 as, as we know that the, the end is coming close as we get to this point in the story. There's some things that are going to take place in and around that time when that seventh trumpet judgment is sounded. So I think we want to look at these three things this morning and then we'll try to make some application to our lives today in the here and now. now let's read together there chapter 11 of Revelation starting in verse 1. John is writing this and he says, I was given a reed like a measuring rod and was told go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the worshipers there. But exclude the outer court. Do not measure it because it has been given to the Gentiles. They will trample on the holy city for 42 months. And I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy for 1260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemies. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. These men have power to shut up the sky so that it will not rain during the time they are prophesying. And they have power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. Now when they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them and overpower and kill them. Their bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is figuratively, figuratively called Sodom in Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. For three and a half days, men from every people, tribe, language, and nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. The inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending each other gifts because these two prophets had tormented those who live on the earth. But after the three and a half days, a breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and terror struck those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud while their enemies looked on. At that very hour there was a severe earthquake and a tent of the city collapsed. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake and the survivors were terrified and gave glory to God, to the God of heaven. The second woe has passed. The third woe is coming. Then the seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your saints and those who reverence your name, both small and great, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within this temple was seen the ark of his covenant. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a great hailstorm. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit to be with us this morning as we study these things. Lord, speak through me. Father, speak to our hearts. Help us and guide us as we understand this passage, Lord, and help it to help us to apply it to our lives. Hide me behind the cross, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I ask you. Amen. So in preparation for the second coming of Jesus, there's some things here that are found in this passage before that before and after that seventh trumpet judgment is sounded. And we want to look at those three things this morning. The first one 
All of them start with a letter E. First one I'm going to call the evaluation of the temple. The evaluation of the temple. John says here he was given a reed like a measuring rod and was told to go and measure the temple of God in the altar and count the worshipers there. He's, gone, he's told to go and evaluate what's going on. Go and evaluate. Go to measure the temple. Go to survey it. You know, when you take possession of a piece of property, you usually have a survey done. You want to go look over and, and mark off the boundaries of what you're, what you're getting. When we bought our place three years ago, we had a surveyor come out to mark the corners and to mark the lines of the place so that when we got ready to take possession of it, we would know what belonged to me and what belonged to my family. And that's what God is doing here. He's telling John to go and measure, go and evaluate, go and survey the temple. Signifying that it belongs to him and to his people. I want you to notice something in this passage. John is writing about this as if the temple is there already. We know there's no temple. There's not been a temple in existence in Jerusalem since A.D. 70. When that temple was destroyed by fire. But John's writing it as if, as if he's, he's right there and the temple is there. There's going to be a temple there. There has to be one there for him to measure. So the temple will be rebuilt either prior to or during the early part of this tribulation period. There will be a temple and there will be worship going on. Historians tell us when that first temple was destroyed, it was destroyed by fire. And the history, history people tell us that the gold that overlaid things in that temple melted and ran down into the cracks of the rocks and stones. And they say people pried those stones apart and turned one over another until looking for that gold until there was nothing left. And it's just as Jesus had predicted. In Matthew 24, Jesus and his disciples were there and they were saying, look at Jesus, look at all these buildings. And he said, do you see all these things? Truly I tell you, no one, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. So it just happened just as he said. But there's no temple there now. What exists there now is a Muslim mosque, the Dome of the Rock, in that spot on that top of that mountain. Some say that the original temple there, uh, uh, the Jewish temple, was two or three hundred yards north of where that mosque is. So whether the Lord will take that mosque out of the way by some natural disaster or some other type of attack, I don't know. Or whether that, that mosque will remain there and the temple will be built at a different location. We don't know that. But it will be there because he tells John, go and measure it. Go and survey it. Go and check it out. It'll be, it'll be there and it'll be functioning as a Jewish center of worship. Just like in the old days. Even today, there's a group of people called the Temple Institute. And they're weaving garments for priests. And they're making articles of gold and silver and bronze to use in service of the temple. Gold things, cups and things that they'll be using. And they're training some 500 men who are descendants of the Levites to be priests. That's going on today. Going on right now. It's been going on for some time. In preparation for the building, rebuilding of this temple that will be there when the tribulation period is going on on that same mountain where Abraham took his son Isaac and laid him on the altar there and was about to sacrifice him until God stopped him and 
provided a substitute, a ram in the thicket. Then 2,000 years later, on that same hill, on that same mountaintop, God provided a substitute for us when He gave His one and only Son on our behalf. On Mount Moriah, that same mountain, and this same mountaintop where this new temple will be built. I want you to think about something for just a moment, though. How do we apply this to our lives today? I want us to evaluate the temple. Listen to these two verses from 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church here and he writes these words. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? And then 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Question for you. If God were to send John today and say, go and measure the temple, go and evaluate the temple, would he come knocking on the door of your heart to measure you as a temple of God? Would you be considered God's property? Scripture says if we're a follower of Jesus, we are His temple, temple of the Holy Spirit. If God sent someone to evaluate the temple, would they come to you to measure, to size it up, to evaluate? Scripture says you are not your own, you're bought at a price. And the price is Jesus' blood shed for you and for me. If you're not one of His this morning, you need to be. Jesus is asking us, He's beckoning us to come to Him. Be part of that spiritual house of God. 1 Peter chapter 2 says these words, As you come to Him, meaning Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to Him. And then He says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. If the temple were evaluated today, would you be evaluated? Would they come knocking on the door of your heart? Because you're a temple of God, temple of the Holy Spirit. If you're in Jesus, the answer to that question would be yes. As the end draws closer, we see John describing the situation there for us. The first thing he did was evaluate the temple. Now I want us to look at the second thing that will precede Jesus' return. Second point I'm going to make here this morning and point out to us is the evangelism of the two witnesses. The evangelism of the two witnesses. In verse 3 there it says, I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy for 1260 days clothed in sackcloth. In the middle of this tribulation period, these two mysterious witnesses show up and they're going to prophesy. It says for 1260 days, the last half of that tribulation period, these two super evangelists are going to be on the scene. You know, God never leaves himself without a witness. As dark and as desolate as these times seem, we've been reading about the last few weeks, God's going to make sure that the ones that want to come to him have a chance. God's going to make sure that the people who are seeking him will find him. And so he's providing there these two witnesses. In every age throughout history, God has always had His special remnant there 
His people preaching His Word. Who are they, you ask? Well, you can look through the commentaries and you can look through all the conservative preachers you want to look at and there's differences of opinion. I have an opinion. There's some who say this is the law and the prophets. They're kind of symbolic of the law and the prophets. I don't believe that. There's some who say this is the church in Israel. Symbolically. But I don't believe that. Scripture says there are two witnesses. There are two men. I believe there are two real men. And I'll tell you who I think they are. They're proclaiming the gospel. They have supernatural powers. I believe they're Elijah and Moses. And I'll tell you why. Look at verses 5 through 7 again. It says, If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemies. And then in verse 6, These men, these men have power to shut up the sky so that it will not rain during the time they are prophesying. And they have power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. When you think about the ministries of Elijah and Moses, it's a lot of similarities here, right? You remember Elijah went to King Ahab and he said, God's going to shut up the sky for three and a half years and it didn't rain. And then Elijah went and he said, when he had the showdown with the 450 prophets of Baal, and he spoke words to God in prayer and fire fell down from heaven and consumed that sacrifice. In the prophet Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5, Malachi writes these words, God speaking here, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He says in Malachi that Elijah is going to come back. He'll be sent back. And you remember Elijah was taken up in that whirlwind. He was raptured out. Never tasted death. He was translated alive right into heaven. And Moses had a special place in the plan of God. Moses delivered all those plagues, all those various plagues that God wanted to visit upon Egypt. He turned the water into blood. We had the frogs and the boils and all those different things Moses spoke the words and they happened at God's bidding. Both Moses and Elijah appeared with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Those were the two men that were in appearance there when the disciples saw Jesus standing there. He saw Moses and Elijah standing with them. So I believe that these two are the two that will be brought back for these to be these two witnesses, these supernatural witnesses. In verses 7 and 8 there, it says, Now when they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them and overpower them and kill them, and their bodies will lie in the street of, of the great city, figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, where their Lord was crucified. This is where the Antichrist first shows up in the scene here, in the story. The beast from the abyss. And he kills them after their testimony is over. And their bodies lie in the street for three and a half days and refuse to be buried. Now 75 years ago, people would say, oh, that's crazy talk. That'll never happen. 
But most everybody in this world today that's got a cell phone in their hand has a high-definition de high camera in their hand 24-7. Something happens on the street in Beijing, China. Cameras go out, phones go out, and within two or three minutes, it's around the world, on Twitter, Facebook, whatever. So this can happen, it will happen, just as God says it's going to happen. And then God resurrects them after they're killed. And after they lay there three and a half days, He says the breath of life in verse 11 from God will enter them and they stood on their feet. And then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying, come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud. But I want you to notice something. So we think about applying this to our lives and the application to our lives today. Look at verse 7. Now when they have finished their testimony, now when they had finished their testimony, when you and I come to Jesus by faith, we're witnesses. We're deemed witnesses for Him. And we're to do that and we're to be witnesses to, for Him for the remainder of our lives until our testimony is finished. By our lives, by sharing our testimony, we're to do that as long as we live. We're to do that as long as God gives us breath. And all of our days are numbered. Some have a few left, some have a lot left. Only God knows. We just need to be witnessing to the best of our ability until the end of our days. So how well are you doing that? That's my question for us today. How well are we doing that? Are we witnessing until our testimony is finished. You know, we don't control the length of our lives. Only God does. Now we can eat the wrong things and, and do things that are harmful to our bodies and it harms our effectiveness. It may shorten our life some, but only God has control of that. We need to make sure that we're doing the things we need to be doing and witnessing the way we need to be witnesses as long as we have breath in our lungs. One preacher said this. He said, the length of our lives is up to God, but the legacy of our lives is up to us. The length of our lives is up to God, but the legacy of our lives is up to God. So what type of witness are you right now? Is there room for improvement in your witnessing? Because we're going to all do it until we finish our testimony, until God says that's the end. I told you there are three things in this passage that we need to look at. We've seen two of them. We've seen the evaluation of the temple. And we think about how we are temples of the Holy Spirit and how well we're witnessing that to the world as we evangelize the world with our witness. And the third and final thing, that exclamation in heaven. As that seventh trumpet judgment sounds, we get a fast forward glimpse of the end. That exclamation in heaven. The seven trumpet sounds there starting in verse 15. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders fall down and worship God. And they say, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. And when I envision the scene of this taking place, 
I hear that big pipe organ in heaven playing that hallelujah chorus that we just listened just a few minutes ago. Well, those words that Handel used out of this scripture is the lyrics for that song. And he shall reign forever and ever. And guess what? If you're on the Lord's side, you're going to be in that heavenly choir. You're going to be in that heavenly throng. You're going to be singing that heavenly song right along with all of these that we looked at this morning. We're going to be joyously exclaiming that God's kingdom has come on earth as it is in heaven. Will you be in that heavenly choir? That's the question God has for us this morning. Will you be there? If not, the call is there on your life to do that. To come to Jesus by faith. Surrender your life to Him. Trust Him for salvation. The Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. We're going to come face to face with Him as we'll sing in just a minute. And when we come face to face with Jesus, we want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of my Lord. Would you trust Him today? Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your holy word. We're thankful for this glimpse of the end. This glimpse that we see where Jesus is going to rule. Jesus does rule. And that those of us who are on your side will win. In the end, we'll be with you for eternity. Father, if there's someone this morning who doesn't know you personally, I pray for them. Father, if there's someone who will listen to this or watch this online later today, I pray for them that they'll open their heart to Jesus. Let Him in. Let Him be Lord of their life. Become a temple of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, if they do that, I pray that they'll be a witness evangelizing the world until their testimony is up, until you say the end has come. And then we can exclaim joyously in heaven with you that you will reign. He shall reign forever and ever. It's in Jesus' name we ask you. Amen.